Pastor, we've been going through the parables uh, in the New Testament Gospels. And so, that's what we're doing uh, all semester. These are great stories uh, that Jesus told. Um, They're kind of like allegories, kind of metaphorical. Um, They have deeper meanings. They're very layered. And uh, it's a great way to interact with Jesus and His teaching. And so tonight we're looking at Luke chapter 7. And uh, this is the parable of two people with a debt, okay? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 7. It's up here as well. Um, And uh, anyway, the the parable here is is pretty interesting. Jesus is again dining um, and hanging out with a Pharisee, okay? Um, and you know that his reputation is one where he hangs out a lot with tax collectors and sinners. Well, there was a Pharisee who invited him to his house, okay? And uh, he's there, he's reclining at the table, and suddenly a woman of the street comes in uh, and begins to anoint his feet with, with perfume. And so it's quite an interesting setting, and the setting really is the occasion for the parable. The parable is only two verses, that's it. Two verses long, but Jesus kind of unpacks it, uh, and it's a pretty interesting uh, story. So, let's look at Luke 7, starting in 36. So, hear God's Word. Uh, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner... Uh, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, He would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, answering, said to him, Simon, that's the Pharisee's name, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Here's the parable. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. And then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This ends the reading of God's Word. Um, one of the recent bands that I've been listening to is a band called the 
I don't even say it right. The Avet brothers? Is that right? Avet? Is it Avet? Avet. The Avet brothers. Okay, I'm sorry. Forgive me for you purists out there. Anyway, it's two brothers and some other guys, and their style is kind of uh, it's a fusion of, of kind of like bluegrass. They've got a banjo in there. Uh, it's folk. It's rock. But the thing I love is just their lyrics. Their lyrics are very honest. And to the point. So I would recommend a couple albums to you: Emotionalism and um, I and or, and Brooklyn. I and Loving You is that the other one? Do you know? Okay. Anyway, uh, but here's one of the songs. One of the songs they had is called Tin Man, and they're using the metaphor of the character in The Wizard of Oz. Okay, the Tin Man who who what? He had no heart. Okay, and he was looking for a heart. And uh, and the point is, the song talks about how. He, he's lost his feeling. Uh, he's lost his real passion. And, and so here's how it goes. It says, you can't, you can't be like me, but be happy that you can't. I see pain, but I don't feel it. I am like the old tin man. I'm as warm as a stone. I keep it steady as I can. I see pain, but I don't feel it. I'm like the old tin man. And then the chorus is like his longing. I miss it. I miss it. Oh, I miss that feeling of feeling. The feeling of feeling. And then it goes on. I used to feel the sky around with happiness and joy. I had news to give the wind to keep myself and heart employed. I felt people move around me. I felt loneliness and shame. Back then, every day was different. Now, each moment is the same. And then he goes, I miss it. I miss it. Oh, I miss the feeling of feeling. Um, then the bridge, the wind upon my face and caring of what it brings this way. The feeling of feeling, the minutes pass away and caring what I do with them. Maybe bring me love or something else. And then verse 3, and so it goes. A man grows cold. Some would say a man grows strong. They say life only grows short. I say the road only grows long. But as long as there is a road, my feet will never touch the ground. And if you won't give my heart back, I have no need to stick around. I think the main point here is he has been hurt. You know, there's been some relationship that's been lost. And, uh, you know, even at the end here, he says, you know, um, you know, if you won't give my heart back, there's no need for me to stick around. I'm just going to close myself to the world. I'm going to close myself to feeling. I'm not going to feel again. Um, And so... You know, as you think about life and as you think about this world, uh, I think that that is very real. Uh, that if you have been hurt, maybe you've been hurt in a, in a romantic relationship, maybe you've been hurt in some sort of family uh, relationship, um, maybe when you were younger, uh, it is very easy to let those sins against you to control you and to harden you and to make your heart hard and not to love again, not to risk again, not to trust again. In the same way, the Scriptures say that not only are we sinned against by other people, but also we are sinners ourselves and our hearts are fallen. And we like to worship other things. and We don't like to worship God. And we like to worship other things in creation. And... Uh, just living in this fallen world and our hearts that are sinful, um, it hardens us. And we become hardened to the things of God. Uh, we don't want to give love. That's too hard. 
We would just like to love ourselves. We don't want to sacrifice for other people. Um, we'd rather, you know, watch ESPN or we'd rather do what we want to do. Okay? It's hard to sacrifice. It's hard to stretch out and love people. It's hard to risk. And, uh, that's because we're sinners. And the scriptures give kind of a metaphor all through the Old Testament. It talks about our hearts become stone. You know, they become hardened, like the old tin man. Like we miss, we don't have the feeling. We miss it. It's gone. Because sin has affected us. And Jesus, um, when He comes, and, and the prophets of the Old Testament talked about how when Jesus comes, He's going to take away our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Give us a heart that feels. Give us a heart that is passionate about the things that really matter. Give us a heart that risks. Give us a heart that loves God and loves other people. And so the question really tonight, <laughs> my question for you is, and for me is, do you have a passion for Jesus, for God? And do you have a passion to love Him and to love other people? Do you love Him? Is that even important? Do you even think about that? Do you even, are you even self-reflective with your heart? Do you even think about like your heart? You know, and the, and the Bible talks about the heart being the core of our being, like not just like the physical thing in there, but who you are, what you, you know, what you're all about, what you love. Um, you know, it's the center of your being. That's what the heart is. And so, really, the main point is, you know, that Jesus points out in here is those who've been forgiven much, okay, who really understand the gospel of grace. Those who have been forgiven much are the ones who will love much. In other words, only those who see their sin, only those who really see the depth of their hearts and how hard it is, will be the ones who will receive God's forgiveness and that will change them and that will make them people who love and feel and are passionate about God and other people. Okay? So that's really the point of tonight. So I'm going to unpack that a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know... This, this whole idea of like seeing our sin is so crucial. Like the gospel, Christianity, the cross will make no sense to us if we don't talk about sin. Okay? There was a pastor of mine who said, you have to hear the bad news before you can hear the glad news. <laughs> you gotta hear the problem before you can hear, have the solution, you know? Or the solution won't mean anything. There was a guy by the name of Jack Miller. He was a minister, pastor, missionary. He said this. He said this about our hearts. He said, cheer up. You're worse than you thought. Okay? And he, what he was talking about was the fact that we're sinners. That, that our hearts are actually, and we're blinded by it. We don't really know how much we're a sinner. Okay? That's what other people help us to see. But, uh, and what the Holy Spirit helps us to see. But we're going to look at this. What's it, what's it look like? What's a soft heart look like? And what's a cold heart look like? And what's the hope for a cold, hard heart? Okay. So the first thing here is the picture of the heart of flesh, the soft heart. And that is this picture of this, this woman, of the city. Okay. The sinful woman. The prostitute is really what all commentators believe this woman is. Um, and so here we have, uh, she, she comes into this story very early. There's the, the setting is the party. Jesus has been invited to the Pharisee's house. He is there and he is reclining at table. Now, I've always thought, like, what does this mean? Why are they always laying down? Well, in back in the Bible days, you know, they, they, 
it would be like a low level table and they would like lean on one arm and towards the table and their feet would be out. So just picture like people eating in the round, so to speak, you know, with their with their feet out. Okay? And this was not a typical home, but it was more of a public place, a public space, uh, where it would be very easy for someone to come in to it like this woman did it. Okay, so immediately in verse 37, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and, and anointed them with the ointment. And so, somewhere along the way, as Jesus has been teaching people, as Jesus has been doing miracles, as Jesus has been telling people about um, who they are, she has experienced something. She has experienced Christ's forgiveness of her. Okay? And this has totally changed her. And now she comes to Jesus in the midst of this party. And so... There's a real evidence here that her life has been changed. That something Jesus said out there on the street, she heard. Now, she is a prostitute. Okay, you talk about someone with a hard heart. Someone who is just, her heart's been torn apart for who knows how long. Giving herself to people. Giving herself to people physically, spiritually, emotionally, over the years. Just deadening her. The guilt. The shame. All of those things that sexual sin repeatedly will bring. But some, but there was a light. She heard something. She heard about Jesus' love. She heard about the fact that He loved tax collectors and sinners and hung out with them. That He had hope. This caught her. And so she comes to Jesus. And there's a few things going on here that I think we can see that, man, her heart has really been changed. She, she risks, okay? Her love is risky. Um, she, she doesn't care about who is there. I mean, and now she's a woman of the street and she's going to the most religious person in the town, the Pharisee, and she doesn't care who's there. She breaks down the barriers. She risks exposure, okay? She's infringing on someone's private property and she just goes in there to worship Jesus, okay? She enters that, that home. And it was risky. Nothing could stop her. Okay? It's a priority. Christ has changed her heart. She's going. The second thing I see, her love is extravagant. Okay? Her heart has been changed, and so she takes this flask, or this alabaster flask, this jar, uh, and this was basically a, a perfume jar. So the ointment idea, it's not, it's not really what... Other commentators say they say it's actually perfume, and women, Jewish women, would wear basically this bottle, alabaster jar around their neck uh, on a necklace, and this was their perfume that they had. And it was expensive, and it was costly, and so here she is taking that costly perfume and anointing Jesus's feet, um, you know, and she was giving all because Jesus had given all. To her, because Jesus ultimately was coming uh, to die for her. She's thankful. Uh, and so she brings this expensive gift, her alabaster jar of, of perfume, and pours it on his feet. Her love is authentic. Okay? Her love is authentic. She's been changed. She's honestly weeping. Okay? She's real. <laughs> 
Her heart has been broken by the love of God. And so it says that she stood, or she standing behind him at his feet, weeping. Uh, and she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them. And so there's deep emotion going on. Her heart has been changed to the point where her emotions are showing up. Uh, and she is, is weeping and crying. There's all kinds of hospitality going on here and serving. Her heart's been changed to the point where she is not thinking about herself. She's just thinking about serving Jesus. She takes this ointment, this oil, this perfume, and basically washes His feet. And you guys know, back in the day, okay, foot washing was only really for servants, house servants to do. You know, the, the grime of the streets, the, the open sewage in the streets, wearing sandals. I mean, this was the dirtiest part. And so... Here, this man who had had Jesus come over, he didn't wash his feet, but here this woman of the street comes and washes her feet. Her love is intimate. okay, And I'm not talking about a sexual way here, but she's a, a Jewish woman would never let down her hair in public. I mean, this is just something you would not do in that culture. And so here she's letting her hair down. She kisses a stranger's feet. Okay? This was not good manners in that society. Why? (laughs) Again, why all of this expression of love? Because the core of who she was had been changed. She had been forgiven. She knew how big her sin was. She knew that she was lost. But she knew the hope of the Gospel and she knew Jesus and she did not care what other people thought. And it reminds me, if you remember back in the Old Testament, there was a story about David. King David. Okay, after Saul had died and King David was establishing his throne and there's a great scene in 2 Samuel 7 of King David moving the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. Do you guys remember this story? And it says that King David was ahead of the ark and he was dancing and he was celebrating, basically nude. He threw his garments off and he was dancing before the Lord. And his, his wife, Micah, Saul's daughter, saw him from you know, some balcony and looked down and said, the Scriptures say, despised him for what he was doing. And why? Because she felt like David was just going overboard with his worship for the Lord. And here's what David says to her. It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel. The people of the Lord and I will make merry before the Lord. Or celebrate. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this. And I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. Basically, he's saying this. Jesus has given me the kingdom. He has saved me. I will celebrate. I will rejoice. I will praise God. And I don't care what anyone thinks because my heart has been set free by who He is. And so, He he praises God. He rejoices. He dances around. He acts like a fool because His heart has been changed. The question I have for me and for you is, like, is that the kind of heart we have that's been set free? Do we really love Jesus? Do we really worship Him? Do we really give praise to Him? Not, not saying that, okay, now we jump around and all that kind of stuff. But, deep in your heart, 
Okay, no matter what your expression is, you know, are you excited about what God has done? Are deep in the core of your being, like, do you understand the depth of your sin and, and the incredible price that Jesus has paid and his love for you and how he has set you free? That should change us. It should change our emotions. It should change our worship. It should change how we talk to people. It should change every aspect of our life, how we study. Everything should be worship because of what God has done. Um, because of the great love that He's had for sinners like us. And so that's the question. Uh, what's the point? True love, okay? Uh, and here, here's where it came from. You know, where does she get this love? And it's the parable in verse 47. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. In other words, the main point is, if you recognize how big your sin is and how much God has forgiven you, that somehow that equation uh, is what makes you love and passionate about God. If you never see your sin and what Jesus has done, then you won't be passionate about God. You won't have any need for God. But what he's telling us is that's really where we are, and we're going to get to that next. But the first, the first point, just to unpack it a little bit, is true love, true worship should be a heartfelt response as a result of forgiveness, the forgiveness of Jesus. So, um, loving God is not about performance, okay? It's something that, it's, it's a response to the heart, a heart being set free. Um, so it's not about like pressure. Okay, you got to do these certain things. It, it's it's a natural response. There wasn't anything forced with this woman. She was just expressing who she was. And so, does your heart have anything like that? Um, does it have? Do, do you worship God? Do you want to worship God on Sunday mornings or here Wednesday night or personally? Do you desire to worship God? Is there any, or is that just oh that's so boring? I don't even know those songs. And, and sometimes they can be, but who cares? <laughs> it's about like you know, are they are they centered on Jesus? Are you you know you can praise God with anything, sing kumbaya. I don't care. Where is your heart? Has it been set free to worship? The second the second picture is this: the heart of stone. Okay, the Pharisee. All right, um, you know, <laughs> what do you get when you think you have it all together? That's the Pharisee. Okay, and as I look at my heart, many times I see that. Not really seeing my sin. Okay, comparing myself to other people, judging other people. And that's really what we see with him. In fact, um, he keeps Jesus at arm's length. Okay, he invites him over to the house. Hey, let have Jesus come over to the house. And I almost think that, you know, he, he it was really more about him. You know, it's kind of like... Uh, if Bono came to town and maybe he would come over to my house, wouldn't that make me look good, you know? Uh, and so Jesus is the, I mean, he's like popular. He's the big deal in town. I mean, all these crowds are following him. I'm a, you know, hey, maybe I'll have Jesus come over. I'll check him out that way. And so, uh, you know, but he, but he keeps him at arm's length. There's no real hospitality shown. In fact, Jesus mentions, like, you didn't do anything. I came here to eat. But He says, you, you see this woman? I entered your house. 44, you gave me no water for my feet, but she's wiped my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. The hard heart doesn't love. The hard heart 
is selfish. The hard heart doesn't want to give. Uh, he's keeping Jesus at arm's length. Um, there's no hospitality, no kiss, no passion, no warmth, no giving of gifts. Just kind of a stoic religion. Is that the kind of heart that you have? Do you see that in yourself? Is it just kind of a push Jesus kind of to the outskirts and just be stoic? He judges. Uh, he's a critique or critic. Sorry. Uh, and so in verse 39, the Pharisee, he said to himself, hmm, as he sees the woman there at Jesus' feet, he's like, hmm, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Okay? You can see the judgmentalism. You can see the critique. Uh, there's no sense of seeing that this is a broken woman. There's no sense of love. Um, it's all about law-keeping. <laughs> it's all about um, how he can perform before God and then set himself above other people. I mean, this is what Paul was all about. The Apostle Paul, before he met Jesus, it was all about his credentials, his, his bloodline, you know, having circumcision, uh, Hebrew of Hebrews, zeal concerning the law. That's what he was into. That was his resume. And he said, this is, this is holiness. This is righteousness. Well, Jesus is saying, no, that's self-righteousness. That's not true righteousness. That's just religion. And he couldn't love. You know, so again, a test of our hearts, whether or not you're a Pharisee or not, is do you love people well? Like, do you, do you love these weird people? Do you love the people around you that aren't like you? Do you love the people that are maybe totally believe something different than you, don't believe in Jesus, just believe weird things or whatever? Do you love those people? Do you desire that they be your friends? Um, or do you just keep them at arm's length? So the question is, do you see that? Do you see that hard heart in you? Um, you know, my question is, is like, what is controlling you? <laughs> what is controlling me? Are we just controlled by what other people think? Are we controlled by the American dream? Um, the American culture? Does that have us by the throat? And we, we're, we're here at the University of Maryland, but we're really led by this other idea. Um, I mean, the question is, for this Pharisee and for us, for me, who a lot of times is like a Pharisee, is like, do I have anything passionate in my, do, is Jesus a passionate source of fire in my life that's gonna push me out and risk for Him to love other people, uh, to do something with my life for Jesus? Because the Pharisee was not. The Pharisee was like very self-contained. He had his laws. He had his little group of other Pharisees. And he didn't want Jesus coming in breaking up his party. But Jesus is going to come in and break up the party. That's really what he wants to do. That's what he does. And that's a good thing. He wants to come in and totally shatter everything in our lives. For good, not for bad. He wants to purge us. He wants to get out the evil. He wants to get out the self-righteousness and He wants to replace it with His love and His grace so that we can be people of joy and grace and not all to ourselves. 
Um, and so, if you're not a Christian, and maybe you're thinking about all this stuff, you know, you might ask the same thing. Is, is your life just full of yourself? Or your own ideas? Is your heart hard? Is your heart cold? Uh, do you see a lack of love? Do you see judgment of others uh, in your life? Join the crowd. Christians are like that too. <laughs> but one thing we're saying here is that Jesus wants, wants to break all of us. <laughs> and to get us to think about our sin. And to get us to run to Him and to repent and say, I am like that. I'm selfish. I'm to myself and I'm judging everybody else. And I, I need Jesus and His cross. And so, uh, that's the hard heart. Now, what's going to really change a hard heart? What makes a difference? This is the last thing. The, what, what the difference is, is, is that Jesus is coming after both tax collectors and sinners like this woman. And He's also coming after Pharisees. Okay, And he's all about relationship. I mean, even the beginning of this passage in verse 36 is the fact that Jesus goes to the house of the Pharisee and he has a meal with him. One of the things we, we need to know about Christianity is this is the God of the Bible, that Jesus comes and breaks in and has relationship with us. It's very personal. Jesus is a personal God. God is not the force that's up there. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, okay? The Trinity is a relationship of love in and of itself, okay? And that's why we're made in His image and we're relational too. And ultimately, God does not stay in heaven, but He comes down in the person of Jesus Christ and He shows up and He says, this is who God is. See the miracles? Only God can do that. See the healing? See the truth? Uh, See me die? See me rise again? Only God can do this. Here I am. And so Jesus pursues people. It's very personal. He's eating with sinners and tax collectors. He's eating with Pharisees. Uh, that's who He is. So Jesus doesn't write people off. The religious people or the pharisaical people or the self-righteous people. And He doesn't write off the people we think that, oh, there's no way God can touch them. Jesus interacts with both. He loves both. He seeks to bring both uh, to Himself. And so the first thing to note about Jesus and and to get your heart changed is to know that He's the one that's coming. He's the one that's pursuing you. Uh, He's going to find you. He's he's the good shepherd who's going after the lost sheep. Okay, and that's encouraging to know that He is seeking and save and and saving the lost, and He's concerned for all types of people. Okay, now the story tells us. tells all really in this parable. And as you think about this parable, just those two verses, who is the money lender? Ultimately, the money lender, okay, in an allegorical sense, is God. Okay? Uh, it's Jesus. He's the money lender. He's the one who owns it all. He's the one who created everything. And He's the one that gives us everything that we have. Right? Uh, he put us here. And what is the debt? Okay. Well, the debt here is our sin. It's the fact that we've taken God's gifts and we've said, I don't want you. I'm going to do everything for myself. And so, in the Scriptures, that's called sin. Uh, it's when we say no to God and we say yes to ourselves. It's when we just worship other things. Um, people, relationships, sex, Sports, 
good things, but we worship them to some to, to to the extent where we say no to God. And so, God says that's sin. Uh, he gives us this commandment, the Ten Commandments, and He says, uh, these are my laws. Uh, keep them. Love me. Worship me. And again and again, we break them. And not just by our actions, but in the New Testament, Jesus says it's even by your thinking and by your attitude. It's not just physical murder that's wrong, but even hating your brother is, is, is a sin. It's just like murder. Or it's not just physical adultery, but lustful thinking Okay, is also a sin. And so we create this huge debt <laughs> as we go through life because we sin and we can't keep the law. And the purpose of the law is ultimately to show us the glory of God, who God is, and how perfect He is. But also it's to show us our debt. To show us our sin. To show us that we're just like these two debtors. Now, the interesting thing is this. What's the deal with the large and smaller debt? You know, in this parable it says denarii. And the, the larger debt was about 20 months wages. And the smaller debt was about two months Okay, so that's a lot of money. Picture that in our time, maybe, I don't know, what would that be? Maybe average salary, maybe it'd be like $20,000 to $2,000 or something, I don't know. Um, But the point is, is that in God's eyes, we've all sinned. (laughs) For all sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And what Jesus wants the Pharisee to see is that even if he thinks he's got the smaller debt, doesn't matter. Because all of our sin is an offense to God and all of our sin um, uh, will send us to judgment and to hell. And that it's only when we recognize that, we recognize that for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, whether you're self-righteous and you're trying to earn your salvation or you're deep and partying and and doing the technicolor sins of the prostitute or whatever, that we're both in the same boat. That we're both sinners. It's just recognizing that is the key. That we're both against God. And that the only hope is the Lord Jesus. And so, what's the hope? (laughs) What's the hope when even our best efforts are like filthy rags? Okay, That's what the Pharisee needed to understand. That even his best efforts... Isaiah says, are filthy rags. The hope is, is the fact that the money lender, okay, in the Gospels, the Lord Jesus, is the one that actually leaves heaven. He's got all the resources and He comes down, He gives all of it up and He goes and He takes our debt and He takes the penalty of our sin upon Himself on the cross. So here we have the money lender stepping out of heaven, getting into our skin and taking on our sin. He steps in the electric chair for us and takes it for us. That's the Gospel. That we deserved it because of our sin, but the money lender himself is the one that pays our debt by dying on the cross. And so that's what the Gospel is. That's why it's so hopeful. That uh, we couldn't pay our sins. We saw our guilt. We saw that we couldn't keep the law. We didn't want to keep the law. But Jesus comes in and says, I am going to become sin for you. I'm going to become the sin offering. And He steps in and He takes that for Himself and He dies for the unrighteous and He dies for the righteous. The people that think they're righteous to bring us to God. And so at the end of the story, um, 
Jesus says to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So what is faith? How do we appropriate this? How, how do we get the soft heart? It's not by anything we can do. It's only by the gift of faith that God gives us. And so, you know, part of, part of what this is, is you feel like, I just don't have faith. I don't... Cry out to God. <laughs> Say, God, give me that faith. Because faith is the instrument that saves us. Okay? It's just, and faith is simply nothing. It's like saying, I can't do anything. I'm a sinner. I trust in you. I rely on you, Jesus, what you did on the cross for me. That's what saving faith is. It's saying, I recognize I'm a sinner. I'm just like the Pharisee. And I'm just like the prostitute. And guess what? I can't be righteous. I need you. And you just look to Jesus and say, Help me. That's saving faith. That's, that's what it means to rely on Jesus and not yourself. To say, my best works, they're filthy rags, and my evil works, obviously, are, are death. But I need you. Let me pray. Father, thanks for this time tonight. Thank you for, again, another parable which just emphasizes our need for you. Um, Lord, I pray that you would set our hearts free. You would wake our hearts up. You would turn stony, cold, hard hearts into soft, fleshy hearts that love you and that love other people. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to respond, sing as we close. I swiped everything, didn't I? Sorry.